0: to episode 68 of I Am The Night, where we look at season two, episode nine of the show, Catwalk. Um, I wonder who's in this, but it's written by Paul Dini, directed by Boyd Kirkland, and this episode stars Adam Ray. Hello. Wait, it does? We were talking about Catwalk. Oh no, but this episode of I Am The Night definitely stars
1: you. It does, as it usually does, the two of us talking about the Animated Series, we after week and also after week great tv needs to be talked about and the great one this was because as we said we wondered who he starred but it also had another key yeah from batman's uh extensive rose that i
0: wasn't expecting but was still very pleasantly surprised to see yeah i mean i have got slight memories of this one i do remember the bit at the end with the other villain who we'll come to but um I really enjoyed this one for many, many reasons, but we'll talk about those. Obviously, Catwalk, we're talking... Catwoman. Yes.
1: And it was a welcome sight to see. Uh, She's been off the screen in the show for quite some time, so it's welcome to uh, get her back somewhat. We see her um, reeling and sad and somewhat broken from Mm. the state of affairs that she's been in previously. She's not... the uh, criminal enterpriser of the night that she usually was. Now she's a bit more reserved and, um, recovering from mm-hmm. her stint with the mm-hmm. law. So we see her trying to deal with that. And it's an interesting level of uh, vulnerability, but also great character development that we can see that sort of continued storytelling across the episodes.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I have to, and I know I do it a lot, but I have to go to the quality of the writing. You know I'm a Paul Dini fan. Always have been, always will be. His TV, his comics. This guy just does characters. This guy knows these people. And he writes them like people with real problems, real foibles, real strengths, real weaknesses. And I just love that.
1: Yeah, I'd say so as well. There's a real strong sense that there's
0: a shared
1: history here. We feel like we've been through the stuff with these characters because we've seen them go through Mm. it, and we've seen them in this episode and episodes prior deal with the troubles and the changes that they've all been through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it just feels real and feels familiar and like we've lived alongside them. So it's a natural progression, but it's still very nice to see that kind of progression because you never usually get that sort of stuff in this kind of medium. Oh, no, absolutely.
0: And and it's brilliant little things, little lines, like um, when Batman says to Catwoman, you would risk everything and go back to prison. And and she simply is so brilliant that, what? Well, don't tell me this isn't the cage that I'm living in as well. Because she's not free. She's not herself. She's stifled. She's not being allowed to be who she really is inside. And that says lots about everything and every person on earth, not just vigilantes who are trying to reform.
1: Yeah, there's a real society expectation that we have to fit a sort of role, we have to do our nine-to-five, we have to be uh, conventionally attractive, successful all the time, having great experiences, but it's very difficult to live that way, and it's very difficult to live just confined to what you're expected to do, so sometimes we will always want more, and in this case, it's a little bit difficult to always live
0: that way. I mean, did you get that nuance as well, or am I just, again, reading too much into the...
1: No, it's definitely... I mean, it's... Good that there's enough that you could read into it in a medium that's meant to be this simple. Mm -hmm. You can definitely read it that way. You can read it in a lot of different ways, which I think is a real testament to the strength of the show, the unintended
0: strength of the Mm -hmm. show, even. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do want to ask you, because obviously many of our listeners may not know this, that you are slowly becoming a bit more of a Catwoman expert because you're reading the right now, up-to-date, Bang on adventures of the comic book character, and you have been since her new series started from issue one. And can you see, obviously, definite parallels and similarities between the Selena Kyle of this show and the one you're seeing now? But obviously, that you, what you said, brilliantly said, the character development and the growth of the character too.
1: There's a great deal of character growth and development in the current run. Of Catwoman. Um, Joelle Jones started the title excellently, what must be well over a year now at this point, close to two years now. No, because
0: you're in the 30s, so it's coming up to three years. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, then it's a monthly title. Yes, it would be. Um, But in any case, the the title started off very well those few years ago and has since uh, changed the creative team that was on it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we can see that there's been an evolution there and there's still something very true... Tick, Catwoman there throughout those titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very happy with how the how that creative team's handling this at present, so I can say that there's strong representation and growth there. Mm-hmm. I like that the character is so old and so seasoned. Car- yeah. Catwoman has been around almost since the beginning of Batman, that she has so many different ways that she can be interpreted. Mm-hmm. I uh, I opened my notes with this um, they're saying oh look it's the blonde nature activist Calvin yes uh, the, the commonalities are still there the on and off again with Batman the uh, the greatest thief in DC comics those things can't change yes, but, her absolutely. Pri- but her priorities are much more different in this mm. show which is a very unique take not to say that it's bad Nothing about about it is but it's a very unique take that I don't really see done quite so heavily in other Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Renditions of Catwoman, which is just a very interesting sort of otherwise still new take, but we get the clear essence somehow. Yes. That weird something that is impossible to pin down is the same no matter wh- no matter where they're
0: being where she's being handled as long as she's being handled well. Well, yeah, I did really want to get your take because obviously you're seeing the character right now, the new, the fresh, the constantly growing. Selena Kyle and Catwoman and I mean I did want to get your thoughts on the similarities and the differences between that one and and this classic version but as you said there's some things that you just cannot change and both writers Ram V currently and Paul Dini here clearly love and respect and know the character inside out
1: yeah I feel like to be able to handle the character for multiple episodes of a series or multiple issues of a yeah, plus long runner comics, you have to know the character well, and they they're in their positions because they know these characters so well. So I'm grateful for such good creators handling them with such care and attention. I would say the both characters are shared have that key focus of trying to do the right thing by a certain group mm-hmm. of people, whether it's TV Selena with the nature activists and uh respecting wildlife, mm-hmm. or comic book is Selena who's looking after the the little guy mm-hmm. the the people below the poverty line in alley town of Gotham City uh I would say some key differences are is that um the true the truer air uh, quotes truer comic book Selena is a lot more streetwise. yes because definitely. she's there's somewhat of an air of high society of uh animated series Selena, which is always something that I would have assumed that she would have put on as a pretense to sort of um Case to join before a big heist. Yes. Something that was never. She was never really part of that world. Whereas I feel that this Selena sort of is. But then again, that's also because this Selena was sort of based on Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, exactly that. Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, portrayal in uh, *Batman Returns*. Yes. Yeah, Batman Returns of with with Keaton. Trust Kane. yourself.
0: You got that right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, good advice. <laughs> I would know. But yeah, um, there's enough essences that you can strike out the character in a unique way in different mediums, but it is still, if handled well, clearly
0: the same character. Very well put. Exactly that. I I agree wholeheartedly. There was a period in the comics where she did go straight for a while and she was almost like uh, another hero. Um, who was once a villain who reformed. And that's an aspect of the character I love. And I know we'll see grow in this show as well, because you know me, I'm a sucker for redemption story. And Selena does work for me as a villain, as a hero, and as an anti hero. She's such a rich, deep character.
1: It's very deceptive on how rich and deep that she is. Mm -hmm. It's very deceptive. A lot of people can just assume that she's just that master, master heist. Mm-hmm. Um, daring Thief uh, You can skin that a lot of ways You can make her into a Robin Hood type You yep. can make her into a yes. like a Grand fence You can make her as a kleptomaniac even mm-hmm. but, but there's more to it than just that Because no. No, Considering where she came from yeah. Somewhere okay. like Alleytown, somewhere very destitute in Gotham City You yes. don't steal for kicks If you're from mm-hmm. that world, you steal because you have to So, so if you can Make that her motivations then you can still really work and make some interesting stories. That's what's going on in the comics right now. In this story, she has a different set of motivations. Here she has uh nature and wildlife and respect of animals, and specifically of cats that we've seen across all of the appearances yes. here in Batman the Batman Animated Series. So, so we can see a similar
0: retelling of the character. Very well said. I, I mean, the way I see it is, and I, tell me if you agree or not, that this Selina in the animated series is almost like the perfect hybrid, the perfect halfway point between the cat-obsessed criminal of the Silver Age and the Batman show starring Adam West and the modern Selina of now. They seem to have married all the silliness of the olden era with the urban street-wiseness of the modern and got somewhere in between in the animated series.
1: For some reason, the when I hear that analogy, the only thing I can think of is the opening scene from the Lego Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside uh, this TV show, is one of the greatest portrayals of Batman on screen, personally. Yeah. Um, the one brief moment you see Catwoman right at the beginning is that she's there um, hacking the door so that the Joker can get in for his uh, for his... Dastardly scheme But she does that By sort of Mashing the keyboard On her laptop And saying Meow meow You're in meow meow Which makes me think Of the grand Very catty Sort of purring tones Of uh, Eartha Kitt From Adam West Adam West's fame Right Meow meow you're in meow meow Did you forget yeah. that? Yeah I did Oh best But it's
0: just screaming back, back into And you can see the smile on <laughs> my face right yeah, yeah you can
1: But <laughs> still there's something about The no, campy, campy, campy sort of I am cat woman mm-hmm. Therefore I must love cats Yes That's Absolutely. what this version of Catwoman Sort of the But really It doesn't mean. go to the weird Meow meow you're in meow meow, 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 meow yes. campiness Yes And it doesn't go to the earth cat purring Yeah Um,
0: But it's still visibly there With Isis And um, Like you Brilliantly um, Saw The Growth And the progression Of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman From Batman Returns And Miss Kitty In in, in that show
1: Yeah And she was a very Catty catwoman Someone who Someone who Did Michelle Pfeiffer Actually put that canary In her mouth
0: Yes That was
1: actually A real bird And yes she did that Did she get like uh, Lots of angry letters From Peter And some people
0: no, because even then the Humane Society were really involved in these films and they would not allow okay, any animal good. to be there. Absolutely.
1: Okay, that's good. But still, there was something very catty about her performance, even down to like her uh, lying down in the leathers. Yeah. She's just like l- herself. licking
0: herself. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of all time. I mean, she, she looked and acted. Exactly like a cat. And we've been cat owners our entire lives. Yes. So we can see just how well she did that.
1: Yes. Cats uh, we've, I've had cats for as long as I can care to remember. So I can definitely attest to them climbing up somewhere, reclining <laughs> somehow and licking everywhere. Yes. Cats are, cats
0: are, cats are the best. Greatest animals. And what I love again, and we, we do talk about this frequently. Andrea Romano. The casting director, the voice director. When she cast Adrienne Barbeau as Catwoman, it's just lightning in a bottle. It's perfection. Because she can put on that husky, almost purring quality that we got in your Earth of Kits or your Michelle Pfeiffers. But then because she is such a talented actress, and we've talked about her pedigree in previous episodes, from mm-hmm. things as ridiculous as swamping to Hollywood blockbusters and everything in between, the Did you not really feel the vulnerability in Catwoman, the pain in Catwoman, and ultimately the actual strength as well and the pure joy she got out of finally putting on that costume and leaping off that building and and honestly the joy she got out of fighting Batman?
1: There was a lot of layered emotions given in the performance that you really felt and I think was essential. Because considered like the sort of emotional state that Catwoman was in in this story. She had just come off of this court proceeding. Mm-hmm. She's there in high society, but not feeling like she fits in. The excitement of it, the conflicted excitement because she knows what this is going to cost her. The repartee of Batman. She was emotionally all over the place, but mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. used that damage to give herself the upper hand against Batman, against the other one that we'll talk about. Uh, Just to try and put herself in the Strongest position possible to land on her feet, as it were.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the scene at the beginning where she's recounting her story of what she's actually been up to since her capture, since her rehabilitation and such, and joining society again. Because I, I think that another strength of this series, and we talk about this a lot, is how you never know when it's set. And that whole intro sequence was so brilliantly animated that it could be right now, but I got such a vibe of the old gangster movies, your James Cagney's, the way it's directed, the massive bit where she's looking up at the judge and it's like a skyscraper where he's sitting with his gavel to pass judgment. And I got that, that whole sense of those classic, classic crime movies, but it's still fresh and different now. And this series is just week after week blowing my mind. It, that whole sequence was something I really wanted to talk about as my big takeaway.
1: It was one so I wanted to talk about as my big takeaway. Um, it's got all of those tropes of like the grand uh, showy cinema of mm. the mm. late 30s, early 40s. Very art deco like the architecture. Mm-hmm. Big sweeping straight lines Absolutely. Over, particularly the transition of Batman's shadow looming over her yeah. to get apprehended into it turning into the judges tower mm-hmm. thing that they sit on. Yeah, uh, that sort of vision of just her feeling so small because that mirrors how small she feels yeah. in society now, not really working. The thing that occurs to me now is that we were saying that that whole timeless cinema uh, mm-hmm. homage makes the whole show feel timeless, but then again, that also adds to the fact that this version of Catwoman still feels kind of timeless. Yeah, because she's that master thief of now, with the troubled. Uh, run-ins with the law, very much like uh, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman from Di- uh, Dark Knight Rises, oh, yes. into the cat-obsessed, catty klepto-catwoman of
0: the Eartha Kitts, Andy Age. Wow. Another brilliant observation. Yeah, like I said, somehow this show manages to marry, I mean, back then it was 50 years of the character, but like you said at the beginning of this episode, um, 81 years this year, Catwoman's been around, and she's just as fascinating, as fresh, and as enthralling as she's ever been.
1: Exactly so, and it's because of that, because there's so many ways you can read mm-hmm. uh, The Greatest Stephen in DC Comics, because as long as you're able to find the whys, and find some motivations in why a character does things, you can tell great
0: stories forever. Well, every comedian says the funniest jokes are, the, are based on fact, based on truth, and... The best stories, as wild, as wacky, and as fantastical as they may get, often work because of the truths they show us.
1: And they do show us real truths, which is what a lot of good dramas are still built on. Still built on. Absolutely.
0: Now, we alluded to it at the beginning of the episode, so now let's talk about the other villain of the episode, and honestly, the true hmm. villain of the episode, Scarface. It, it was a pleasant surprise
1: to see to be Ooh. honest, because we've seen... Because, like I said, we haven't seen Catwoman in quite some time, but I feel like we've been seeing Scar- Scarface quite a bit mm. so far, because yeah. he closed Season 1, yeah, and we had another
0: run-in with him between then and now, didn't we? Pretty sure? I feel like we have, but I can't put my finger on it. Uh, even though, considering that he closed Season 1, we're only less than halfway through Season 2 just, and he's back again, means that this brand-new character at this point, um, he was only introduced in the late 80s, early 90s, and he's made it to TV already, and he's so masterfully
1: handled. Masterfully handled. I think the appeal for this show particularly for Scarface is that he's somehow the perfect mix of the two different flavors of Batman Villains. Yes. Because when you associate Batman Villains, you associate your Falconis, your Moronis, mm-hmm. um, and in the uh, excellent adaptation of the Long Halloween, your your triads and your tongs, mm-hmm. you get the classic gangsters yeah. who uh have overarching criminal empires and will be seen to do shady business whatever but he's also the uncanny and the strange and the super villainous and the insidious mm-hmm. somehow that yeah. just has a great big glowing question mark over of how that could possibly work it is the the strangeness of a what we would expect of a batman super villain with the visage of a
0: classic mobster once again The Hive Mind is in full effect. You literally just read my mind. Because that's exactly what I was going to say. He is the ultimate street-level criminal, and he is a New York thug. Yeah. Scarface is. Ventriloquist isn't. Ventriloquist is something other and something much deeper and ultimately possibly more disturbing. But Scarface, like you very eloquently put, is a vintage gangster, almost the caricature of a vintage gangster. Yeah. But he also encompasses all the insanity and craziness that makes every single Batman villain so unique. So, I mean, we've talked about this time and time again. Apart from possibly Spider-Man, possibly The Flash, Batman's Rogue Gallery is the best in all of fiction. Not just comics, in all of fiction, to my mind.
1: There's such a great spread of very noticeable, recognisable characters. They're all so colorful and so garish and so easy to fear and hate for their own different reasons mm-hmm. that they're all really easy to graft onto. But with Scarface, you just see like a very unassuming, nerdy-looking guy mm-hmm. and a gangster puppet. But the more you look at them, the more you unpack what they do, yeah. how they do things, yeah. how they have continued to do things for what must be approaching 40, 50-plus years of comics, they get more and more insidious. Mm-hmm. and they start to uh, approach the levels of Insidious that would mirror your Jokers and your Riddlers and your Scarecrows. Oh, without a
0: shadow of a doubt.
1: So we can really put this newish character up on that pedestal because, yes, there is something fairly sinister because that's just a very weird visual that a lot of people would rightly be suspicious of. And another great thing that makes him such a great and resounding um Batman villain is that there's still that great level of mystery. Mm-hmm. We don't truly know anything about the Joker's past. I refuse to accept any concrete mm-hmm. uh, story thread that a writer wants to put onto it. We don't know the extent of uh, the Riddler's true intellect. We mm-hmm. don't know the extent mm-hmm. of uh, the Scarecrow's trauma. Poison Ivy's power set keeps growing and evolving, just yeah. like the plants do. Yeah, there's still such great levels of mystery to a lot of Batman's villains that means that it can cont- continually evolve there's still so much of that in Ventral assist in scarface that there's enough there that we can say okay they they could just go on a little bit because we've got stuff like soccer you put like a different garb or like a shape onto scarface and maybe he turns into a different and equally more ter- terrifying puppet mm-hmm. who knows but that's the appeal that could keep them going on as
0: another dog completely agree with 100 percent scarface is It's everything. He's a crook, he's a criminal mastermind, he's a disturbing figure of psychosis. I mean, clearly Arnold Wesker suffers from a deep, deep disassociative personality disorder which makes two faces look like a case of the sniffles. Uh, And so much more besides, I mean, the whole supernatural element that was thrown in that Scarface was carved from the gallows and where hundreds of murderers saw their last days and so much more that you could tie into it. But you get the spookiness and the cleverness and a brilliant dark humour of the character so well portrayed in this episode and in his appearances in the animated series as well. Again, that's the perfect synthesis of everything that encompasses the character over the last 30-odd years since his creation.
1: Yep, I think that's what this show does so well. It puts very strong, clearly sort of overarching uh, understandable and relatable visions of yeah. a given character so that anyone of any sort of like familiarity level with the comics can go in, look at the characters and be like, yes, I know this this character's deal if I don't know them. Or if I don't know, or if you know the characters really well, you can be like, oh, they've, they're telling them this way. That's interesting. Mm. That still feels like this character. I want to unpack what you were just talking about. So you're of the belief that uh, Arnold Wesk is very clearly dissociating and projecting this
0: character onto the puppet. Yes and no, because I also get that horrible vibe, and you know how I feel about animated things that Scarface is alive and Wesker is just the conduit.
1: That that is what I truly believe, particularly in this episode, because there was a lot of things that Scarface did in this episode that were very bizarre. Yeah. That were very yes. bizarre. I'm talking the fact that he was still talk that the puppet was still talking, the mouth wasn't moving, but the mm. puppet was still talking whilst he was on that um, yes. Conveyor belt going towards the buzz sword. Seeing
0: things that Wesker couldn't possibly see. Seeing,
1: poss- seeing things Wesker couldn't possibly see. And Wesker. I, I know that there are some very skilled ventriloquists out there. Yeah. But a ventriloquist cannot throw their voice that, is that nice. far and for it to still be audible over yes. a very, very loud buzz sword. Exactly. That's the first thing. The second thing, the moment when uh, Selena Carl confronts Starface in that warehouse, in that sawmill,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's a moment where. Uh, Scarface is sitting on Ventriloquist's lap Yeah And Ventriloquist I was going to
0: bring that up Thank you
1: <laughs> And Ventriloquist was controlling his arms Yeah With both hands Yeah So if he's doing that How is his mouth still moving? And how did he look up when he heard Isis meow? How did he hear, look up when he heard <laughs> Isis meow? And how is he able to have a conversation on the phone with the penguin With the phone up to the, the puppet's yeah. ear And Ventriloquist was able to still talk through it Because yeah. even then exactly. With the voice throwing. It would still sound like to Penguin that the voice was coming from behind the phone instead of into the receiver.
0: Penguin was talking to Scarface, not to Wesker.
1: Yeah. So I think if we're going to put a stamp on this, which I'm going to immediately ignore because I don't want the mystery behind these characters to be solved, I think that there is an inherent dark spirit of some kind in the puppet that is brought out and given legs Yeah, by Wesker but that's just one way to read it I don't want a clear reading
0: I would agree with that reading too because um, that's the most frightening reading and I do find the character absolutely terrifying but fascinating and entertaining at the same time
1: truly and that's what we can expect to see from a character like it across comics and then again in this show because they do this character a great deal of justice Mm
0: -hmm. and let's talk about this show Obviously, we have got classic villains in Scarface, and obviously Rhino, who, again, top form this week. Um, hugely powerful, strong, imposing, and dense. And the wonderful layered cattleman. But, of course, we get the new characters too. Mary Lou Hanera's Veronica Vreeland, the ditzy airhead, um, society, high society, girl about town. Again, brilliantly portrayed in the scene she's in. And true to character, and something that's brand new and unique to this series.
1: Yep, there's uh, always going to be a fairly large number of high society hags that mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne would need to sort of socialize with to keep up appearances. I find it quite nice and telling that she, after Selina Carr's outburst right at the beginning of the episode, um, she looks to Bruce Wayne and said, huh, who, who invited the kook here? But I feel that if she realized who she was speaking to, that would. Be a very
0: much a nonsense. <laughs> well said. Absolutely. And that, very neatly, brings us to... Well, the guy whose name is above the door. This is Batman, the animated series, after all. And, oh, man. He had very little actual screen time. But I got more from Kevin Conroy's voice performance and the beautiful direction by Boyd Kirkland and the animation in this series... You could feel the pain just by the scent yes. of his eyes growing and, and, and shrinking of this choice choices Selina had made. The way his voice cracks, when he wants to help her, he wants to believe her, but deep down he knows she's lying. And that, again, that protector aspect of Batman, that Batman who wants his villains to reform, that Batman who wants the best even from the criminals he faces, Oh, it's it's just magic. It's, yeah. it's brilliant.
1: It's a weird thing to say that these uh, animated characters are there acting, but they really are. You Increased. get true emotion Ooh. in the, the, the lighting, the angles, and the actions that they make with their faces. It's a wonderful performance, if that's a thing you could really attribute it to. I mean, the animators
0: do create a performance. You're quite yeah. right. They absolutely do. I mean, from that moment at the beginning of the episode with his silhouette, encompassing Selena and that terrifying what? Criminals are a cowardly superstitious slot I shall become a bat. And there it is from the opening scene in a 20 minute Saturday morning TV show.
1: Which plays with form so much and gives us definitive performances of these characters that we could say this is far higher brow than you could ever expect from Saturday morning TV. But it's uh, truly remarkable and remains to 25 years plus.
0: Absolutely. Right. I mean, obviously, listeners, you know that once again, I think this episode has more than hit the mark. I mean, again, when Paul is writing and Boyd Captain's directing, you tend to expect the high bar, which was met once again. So let's talk about, well, I think probably we've said a lot of it already, your main takeaways, high points, low points, things that stick with you about
1: Catwalk. I wanted to just really touch on the great um, vaudeville classic cinema of that opening sequence. Mm-hmm. it's not even a genre I know it's not a genre I've seen a lot of but it just feels familiar somehow
0: that's amazing
1: that is truly amazing it's just like a cultural zeitgeist thing and just my own study of story I guess Mm -hmm. but it just felt so sincere and real that I just just recognised it immediately without truly knowing it Mm
0: -hmm. which I think was quite remarkable absolutely again I, I want to echo that the way that and you said it since season two started, that this show really has found its identity, found its feet and knows exactly what it is now. And I think that as a viewer, I can see what it is now as well. And it's literally a love letter to everything Batman. Batman from the 40s, the 50s and the 60s. It's gone from the dark, the gritty to the silly and the shiny to the funny, the hilarious, the ridiculous, the insane the psychotic, and the brilliant. And I think this episode is one of those ones that manages to capture all of that in one chapter. Somehow, yeah, the the concise, simple
1: story that brings in a lot of characters that shows them at their strongest and their most defined and their most varied can really bring a lot of interesting stories together. You can read it as a daring caper gone wrong, or you can read it as a in-depth look at psychology and yeah. loss and a change of identity. There's so much to it that you would never expect from Saturday Morning TV. Yeah,
0: and none of those thoughts would be incorrect or correct. They just fit what we, the viewers, and we, the Eternal Bat fans, decide to see in this in this work.
1: And as long as we can keep watching stuff of that quality, I'm going to be completely
0: satisfied. Yeah, couldn't agree more. 100% agree with you. I mean, like um, Michael Cole might say, Vintage Batman. Well no, Vintage Batman
1: is um bright pink suits trying to take on Zebra Man. <laughs> Let's not talk of <laughs> Vintage Batman, thank Zoranar. you.
0: Sorenar. Yes, you're quite right. <laughs> <laughs> well no, but Batman animated Series is Vintage Batman and the Batman I'd hand to anybody. Yes,
1: because it is a real vision that it can embodies more stories than it has any business being able to tell so yeah, well. Absolutely.
0: so that was Catwalk written by Paul Dini directed by Ward Kirkland and talked about to death by Adam and Stephen Ray I hope you've enjoyed the show because I've really enjoyed the episode and really enjoyed talking about Catwoman Batwoman Batwoman, Batman and the Ventrilopist but now let's talk about Adam Ray where can Gothamites everywhere see you and read your work and watch your content I have much content
1: I I have much content (laughs) Uh, the written work in the flavourings of Gotham City, look only to Dark Knight News. I review multiple titles a month. Catwoman, as aforementioned, as well as Suicide Squad are both in excellent spots right now. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look to our baby, our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com. I further in my two cents on gacha games and digital card games as often as my grubby little fingers can type out some words. For TTRPG goodness, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog, where I bringing new monsters, new feats, new spells, new items to level up your TTRPG experience for 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and look to RuneterraCCG.com for my news articles, hard-hitting journalism, and new decks for the League of Legends card game. If you're viewing pleasure, find such card-gaming goodness on twitch.tv forward slash I-Z-Z-E-T-Tinkerer, I go by that name basically everywhere. Look to The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays with some dear friends. And look to No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons & Dragons Let's Play. But of course, all of those things can be found by just talking to me, uh, Twitter, at IsItTanker.
0: And gamers, seriously, check this stuff out because it is beyond cool. I know I'm biased, but it really is. As for me, uh, written work, type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice. So you want news, reviews, features, and interviews all across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and Fantastic Universes, and the occasional little article comics based always on CBR. And this show, I Am the Knights, can be found alongside Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, the original DC Comics News podcast, and the Spinner Rack on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News can be found all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube. And this show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher and wherever you find podcasts. Talk to me on Twitter at Lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. But until you do, Adam Ray is the night. Together we are the night. And this has been the I Am The Night. Thank
1: you for listening, and until next time, read more comics
0: and watch more
1: Batman. Batman.